listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's a daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Wednesday, the 22nd of September 2021. Later, the boardroom gender diversity it is improving. We'll tell you by how much soon. But first to the ASX, which recovered today up 0.3% on the S&P ASX 200, 7,296. That's as China's Evergrande met a repayment deadline. But does it guarantee its future? I spoke earlier with Francesco Destradas from Audminet. Francesco, the market's looking to China over the past few days, Evergrande in particular. And uh, it's potentially reached a deal with bondholders. Well, what does this mean? Yeah, look, it's put a bit of stability back into the market. Um, looks like they've uh, come to an arrangement where they're going to pay the coupon. That's the interest payment that's due. Um, it's about 35, 36 million US dollars. Um, so quite a large interest payment uh, on their loans. But look, it's, um, I suppose, provided a little bit of confidence in the marketplace, confidence in that, you know, potentially they'll be able to make other repayments. Um, yeah, they do have a couple more due over the next couple of weeks. Um, on Thursday, they've got an $83 million coupon due. Um, and on the 29th of September, I think it is, they've got another $47 million coupon due. So we don't know a great deal of detail behind um, what's occurred as far as uh, appeasing the, the bondholders. Um, I suspect there might be a little bit of uh, uh, intervention by government or policymakers, um, but I'm not 100% certain on that. Um, but look, it's put a bit of stability back in the markets and we've seen our market turn around because of that. Okay, so there's still another key um, interest rate payment, I guess, tomorrow, if I'm not wrong then. So the, the developments today, does it alleviate fears of an Evergrande collapse or will that may, be maintained? Yeah, look, it's, you know, if I could put it this way, possibly a stay of execution. Um, yeah, they live to fight another day. Um Look, I'm, I'm not sure yet. Um, they've got debts totaling anywhere between $300 and $400 billion, depending which, you know, sources you, you read. Uh, but, you know, they have to be pretty much, you know, somewhat accurate, if you like. Um, look, at this, at this sort of level of debt's not going to go away in a hurry, nor are the coupon payments. You know, they you know, they keep coming around, a bit like, you know, doing the laundry, if you like. Um, you know, the, the, the coupon payments will keep coming until you pay that debt off. Um, look, I suspect, as I mentioned, Policymakers might get involved here uh, if it does come to a point where um, you know the, the the you know Evergreen might be facing extinction. I, I think you know to save face, the Chinese government might step in and and uh, provide some sort of assistance, whether that be breaking the company up into smaller parts. Um, but that's if it gets to that stage. I'm not sure yet. How's it all impacting Australia? Because the markets bounced back again today. Yeah, look, a strong bounce after um, the announcement that they're uh, making this coupon payment. But um, look, the obvious one is the iron ore market. We've seen iron ore prices go up over over $200, $220 a tonne. They're back down to $100 a tonne. I think if you remember five or six years ago with the mining boom, you know, $100 a tonne was just unheard of. You know, I think it got around $125. So look, um, you know, the obvious one's the iron ore price, but yeah, it is spread amongst other commodities as well because in construction they use a lot of copper and nickel and lead. Um, so, so the commodity markets have been impacted here in Australia. Um, you know, Australia has already been you know impacted by trade restrictions anyway on their other products um, or a lot of our other products. So, look, I, I think broader afield, 
Um, it's probably more of a long-term impact um, of the spread of this. But but look, yeah, we've got this, the the iron ore producers, the lowest cost iron ore producers in the world. Um, at, at a, even at hundred dollars a ton, they're making extremely good money. And just finally, the uh, FOMC meeting uh, first day happened uh, earlier today. What are you expecting, and what do you think this will mean for markets? Yeah, look, we're, we're, we are expecting some level of tapering. Um, how much we don't know. Um, and you know, look, depending on how much tapering they um, will um, announce, uh, will determine on how much the markets react. Obviously, if they do too much or too much too much more than expected by the market, the markets will come off, uh, or vice versa. Um, yeah, the, the the Fed has indicated in the past that. You know, tapering is not a trigger for the markets to expect rate rises, um, but, you know, it, it, it's a consequence of that down the track, I would suspect. Um, so they don't want to spook the markets at this stage. Um, tapering will suck some liquidity out of the markets, um, but I suppose everyone will be watching at the level of tapering, whether um, they, they suspect it might be a bit too much tapering, then they would be anticipating rate rises a bit earlier than expected. Francesco Destratus there from Audbonet. Now to some good news about boardroom diversity on Australia's top listed companies. The Australian Institute of Company Directors says there are now no all-male boards in Australia's top 200 listed companies for the first time in history. And women now make up 33.7% of all board roles on the ASX 200. For more, a little earlier, Sarah Conti spoke with 30% Club Australia's Chair Nicola Wakefield-Evans. We've reached a few milestones in the past quarter. One is that we've no longer got any ASX 200 boards with um with no women, so um, there's at least one woman appointed to our top 200 companies. And we're thrilled about that because when we started looking at this in 2015, there were 28 companies with no um, female board directors. So it's really pleasing. Um, the new data shows that the ASX 200 is up to 33.7% of women on boards. Um, and we're also seeing a really big increase in the next group, the ASX 300 cohort. So the, the companies that are from 201 to 300, we've seen a 6% increase in the number of women appointed to the boards of those 100 companies. So it's a really, really pleasing um, result, particularly in light of COVID, where uh, I think we predicted 18 months ago that we could see a stalling of our progress, but we've not seen that. And we're really thrilled that our chairman and CEOs and boards have maintained their commitment to, to diversity at the board level. So what does this tell us about the business world? So I think it's telling us that the business world is accepting the, 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 the case for diversity, both, both the reason why we need to have diverse leadership. We've, the business case has been um, set for some time and I think our big organisations now understand that they need to have diverse leadership at all levels. Um, we've still got a long way to go, though. It's not. It's great news on the board side, but last week Chief Executive Women released their executive census, which showed that the results are not the same on the executive side of the business, so that the teams that report to the CEOs, there's still a lot of work to be done in that cohort. And that concerns me when I look at boards because the pipeline for women to be appointed as directors comes from women who've had executive experience. 
you mentioned that there's work to do. How should we feel about these figures? Should we be happy? Should we be concerned? We should be, we should look, we should be pleased that more women are being appointed to boards. There's still a lot of work to be done, though. There's still um, a third of ASX 200 boards that have not, that have got less than 30% of women on their boards. So there's still a lot of companies within the group that we look at that have only one or less than 30%. So we need to work on those companies. Um, and, you know, my goal is obviously is to have every company with a minimum of 30% of women um, on their boards. That's where we've still got a long way to go. It's the bigger, it's the larger companies that are bringing, that are, that are sort of bringing the statistics up. However, my view is that when you get change at our large organisations, it sort of pulls, the, the change trickles through um, down to smaller listed companies. So um, hopefully we'll start to see um, a lot of, you know, the, 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 the companies with only one female director appoint subsequent um, women on their boards. You mentioned, you know, the, the trickle effect. What do we need to do to keep this momentum going? Well, we need to. What we found is the constant reporting, um, so having it in the, in the public eye. Um, we, we rely on a lot of stakeholders to reach these milestones. So um, the pressure that investors put on boards is really important. Um, the pressure, we, you know, we ask our executive search firms to make sure that when they're assisting boards, to um, in recruiting directors that they have balance lists that they find um, as many women candidates as, as male candidates. Um, and we, are, we have a really good dialogue with the chairs of our top listed companies and they've all been fantastic in supporting um, our goals and the, um, you know, by simply making the appointments. Nicola Wakefield Evans there from 30% Club Australia speaking with Sarah Conti. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.